0: Let's do it. This is the
2: SEC Insider Hit, And it's presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue.
3: Oh, good morning. Welcome in. Uh, shout out to Who Dat Nation as we're going to jump into some Saints here with our friend Mike D., Mike D'Italia, WWL Radio TV, New Orleans, uh, all over Louisiana, but uh, obviously South Louisiana with the Saints and the Tigers. And Mike joins us on the Yingling Lager guest line. You can watch the show right now on Facebook. Search the Out of Bounds Show. Um, You're listening to ESPN 105.9 The Zone, and the show is driven by your next uh, pre-owned or new SUV or truck at Mac Hike in Flowood. That's mackhikeflowood.com. We're live in the Bank Plus studio. Uh, Mike D, I was, uh we were talking Saints yesterday, and um, boy, what a transition this is going to be without their Hall of Fame coach and Sean Payton. Uh, you're an insider. You know uh, all the stories. Some you can share, some you can't. And I was reading where Zach Strief, uh, when Sean Payton and, and the Saints were going um, through those three straight losing seasons, that, uh, you know, Sean was always militaristic and on time and everything was buttoned up and things had gotten lackadaisical within the Saints organization. And Streef was talking about how meetings were starting eight minutes late and it just wasn't the same deal. And he called a meeting with Sean Payton. And he recognized he recognized in this piece that uh, I, I was an average player, and he called a meeting with Sean Payton. And as he was going over the things that really concerned him, that this thing wasn't run like Sean had been running it, Sean got a uh, a notebook pad out and started writing it down, which not everybody can do at that ego level. Did you know about that story? And I'd like for if you did, I'd love for you to expand on it.
2: Yeah, Zach can explain to me that because um, we worked together for a couple of years at WWL before he got into coaching and he had sort of explained that it just wasn't him that there were some others involved in telling Sean hey listen this isn't what it was what you brought here has sort of changed a little bit and for Sean to kind of move a little bit closer back to it. And he became a little looser coach, but I I think he went back to that, you know, be on time. Everything has to be this, this. And I think it was a different attitude. And they also brought in some players that did not fit that culture. Right. And, And he realized that, that they were getting talent but talent that didn't fit what they were looking to build in New Orleans. And he was given an opportunity to sort of put the blocks back in place. And he was fortunate to. When you talk about in one draft, you come away with Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchak, Marcus Williams, Trey Hendrickson, Alvin Kamara. I mean, that's as good as you can get in one shot. And so it it really put an oomph back into the team. But I think more so, Sean became a little bit more relaxed coach around his players. You saw him enjoy the game a little bit more than where we had seen him in the past. We could tell by even the interviews and the coaches' shows he would do with us, he was a little bit more playful But I I do think that things kind of got a little bit off-center, which happens to to every coach. Mm -hmm. They might not want to admit it, but it happens to everyone in this business. Uh, And even in other businesses, sometimes the total focus isn't there and it sways. It it really has you take a look at your ego and say, I'm going to change a little bit. But there are certain factors I won't change. And I think Sean was able to do that. And that, there's a lot of people that say, oh, it, uh, I always listen to my people, and and but I'll I make the final decision. Uh, when I hear people say that, losers in life. Because you know what? When you say that, what you're saying is, yeah, I listen to other people, but I do what I want to do. Sean was able to adapt. There's a difference. There's a difference between listening and understanding and adapting. And I think he did that very, very well. And guess what? We're going through a coach with a similar situation. Dennis Allen gets the job in Oakland. Okay, it's a train wreck all across the board. And I do think he didn't have a lot of control with personnel. In fact, I know he didn't. And things went astray. and he learned from those bad experiences. and so he gets another shot at it. for Sean, it was getting another shot at the Apple and, and look at the success they had in seventeen oh, 18, 19, no doubt. 12, I mean yeah I mean he ran it through and it was but it was taxing last year. I, I think just because of so many different things from the injuries to suspensions to hurricanes that you had to get away for a couple weeks. And I think it taxed him out. But I think the, the real thing with coaching is the ability to learn from your mistakes and adapt. Not just, oh, I listen to my people, but I make the final decision. Okay, that might be true, but do you adapt? And do you understand? Because they got a lot of people that run their mouth about that and their companies don't work out real well.
3: Uh, it, John was
2: able to make it work.
3: It's a remarkable story. Zach Streif uh, and maybe some other players, as Mike was alluding to, but as Zach acknowledges in this piece, I was an average player, but I had to go to Sean Payton and uh, and, and go through that. Uh, what? I'll
2: tell Bo, an, another story with that. And this comes from Drew. And one of the things Drew sort of always believed in is that you can't build upon year to year. And he, Drew had a, a, a sort of sentiment with him every year is, it's a new year and you're starting from scratch. you you got to put new blocks, okay, on the foundation, you're starting from scratch, don't tell us anything about we taking from one year to the next. He said, you know, in this business, it doesn't work that way. And he said, you know, it's like that in business too. Things happen so quickly uh, and so fast and sometimes unexpected that when you start a new year, it's like starting from the foundation and you're putting new blocks on the foundation. Now, he said, some of those new blocks are old blocks, <laughs> like he was. But he said, you know, I, I think that that was something Sean understood, that you always had to have new blocks on the foundation. And I, I, it makes so much sense when you think about it, not only about football, but about also in life, where we work in the media business, things change rapidly, right? how we communicate with people are totally different today than it was a year ago and and really how it changed five years ago from five years ago. So I think what Drew was saying was that, Hey, Sean bought into that. Things are going to change each year and I got to put new blocks on that cement and i got to be willing to take chances with younger players that maybe I didn't want to do in the past. Yeah. I wanted the veteran. Uh, But you know what? That younger guy, man, he gives me a a longer run, and I can adapt him very well to our culture. And I I think that is a big part of it too, um, of being able to put those those new blocks in place. And that's something that Sean sort of spoke about, but Drew really talked about a lot.
3: He is Mike Dettillier on the Yingling Lager guest line talking Saints. And uh, football season is here. It's a remarkable story of Sean Payton listening to, let's be honest, an average player for NFL standards and gets out a, a, a yellow legal pad or whatever. And they met for 45 minutes and Sean wrote everything down. And Zach Strief, who Mike knows very well, uh, said things changed immediately. And as Mike said, they ripped off four unbelievable seasons of winning again in a, a league where everybody's within a whisker of each other.
2: My friend, the out of show is live ah! from the whiskey 61 lounge in the bank plus studio. Check, check, check it
3: out. Good morning. Your Mississippi Braves double a affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. Uh, in town this week, Tuesday through Sunday. And uh I tell you what, Friday's gonna be really, really cool. Um it's Brian Snitker Bobblehead giveaway day. Um this Friday. They're they're calling it championship weekend. Um it's also uh replica ring giveaway on Saturday. So you got the Brian Snitker Bobblehead giveaway on Friday and then the uh replica ring giveaway on Saturday. They're calling it Championship Weekend, Mississippi dot com. We welcome in Pete Lavin, GM of the Braves on the Yingling Lager guest line. Lavin, what's up, buddy? Not much, man.
1: As usual, I'm uh pretty dang hungry by the time I come on the air listening <laughs> to
3: you guys. I, I just <laughs> also ate.
1: need a cigar. <laughs>
3: uh so so blake uh, i didn't know he was doing this um reeves our intern just uh got here and he came bearing gifts uh ice cream sandwiches and i don't know if i've ever had an ice cream sandwich at uh at nine ten in the morning but now blake hammered all of his i had three bites and it was incredible and so on ice cream sandwich day we had to do that hey i wanted to let you know before we jump into everything going on um with the M Braves Tuesday through Sunday. Uh, I went, I know you've been uh, several times, Mm -hmm. but I went to Truist Park, took in an Mm -hmm. Atlanta Braves game, uh, went to burn by Rocky Patel, the luxurious uh, cigar bar. And I had an absolute blast.
1: Man, that place was made for you. I think the battery (laughs) kind of surprised you came back. Well, uh, I debated from Mississippi, (laughs) Bo.
3: it, I had so much fun. Uh, you know this from being there. You you got to go to at least two World Series games last year. Uh, but for being part of the the Braves organization, you know this. Mm-hmm. They did that so well. The battery, the development around Truist Park is is so cool. There's so much stuff to do, Pete.
1: Oh yeah, I mean they say now like anybody building the new stadium, the major league level of any sport it's going to be multi-use. Like they say, since they built uh Truist Park, you know, soccer teams from Europe come over to see what kind of, how they did it, what kind of plan they have. So, you know, just owning all that, uh, uh, all that entertainment out there and hotels on top of it. It's, uh, you know, they say, uh, you know, it's hard to make money on the team with what you have to pay players now, but uh You know, if you get those restaurants and, uh, you know, full-core entertainment value, you can uh, really turn a good profit.
3: Well, I had a great time. Pete Lavin, uh, Mississippi Braves Joe manager on the Yingling Lager guest line. Braves are in town um, this week. All right, so we've got to get a Brian Snitker bobblehead doll. Those things look awesome. Talk to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, can't forget he was the first manager in M. Braves history back in 2005. Did one year here as part of his 40 years with the Atlanta Braves organization. So um, you can only do bobbleheads and use their likeness if they uh, played or, or, or managed here with you. So fortunately, we did that, and the, the bobblehead is a replica of him uh Right after the World Series, kind of wearing the uh, uh, T-shirt that they were given for the World Series. Uh, we just swapped that out with a Mississippi Braves championship T-shirt from uh, last year and uh, an M Braves hat. So he, he's in full M Braves regalia, and it's a really sharp bobblehead. You don't want to you don't want to miss this one on Friday. First thousand fans.
3: First thousand. Okay, that's what I needed. First. All right, for our listeners, first 1,000 fans. Uh, I'm looking at the Brian Snitker, who's currently the manager of the Atlanta Braves, and as Lavin, as Pete Lavin referenced, was the first manager of the M-Braves in 2005, and he is decked out in M-Braves gear, and first 1,000 fans get the bobblehead uh, giveaway. And then tell me about the replica ring on Saturday, Pete.
1: Yeah, we're giving away 1,000 replica rings on Saturday. Uh, they just, they've just they done these in Atlanta and Gwinnett already this year, and uh, they just went gangbusters. So you do want to come early if you want to be one of the first thousands to get a ring, and I, I'm not even lying. They look exactly like the World Series rings. Uh, you can't tell the difference. Um, I mean, you could take that and, you know, wear it to the tables up in uh, – uh, Philadelphia, Pearl River, and uh, and dazzle the people up there. You know, throw one of those on. You'll be uh, the talk of the casino.
3: I like the way Um, you think. They
1: they are good-looking, man. They are good-looking rings. So you can see them on our uh, uh, website and Facebook page if you want to take a look.
3: Yeah, I'm looking at the Facebook page uh, post right now. You can follow the Mississippi Braves. We highly recommend it on Facebook and Instagram. They do a great job keeping you up to date on everything that's going on. So Friday will be first 1,000 fans, Brian Snicker bobblehead giveaway, first 1,000 fans. And then on Saturday is the replica ring giveaway for championship weekend with the Mississippi Braves. So we've also got a thirsty Thursday going down in a couple of days? Yeah, yeah. $2 uh,
1: domestics on uh, Thursday, and we're also having a – uh, this is really cool. We're doing uh, a game-worn uh, jersey auction that benefits. And I didn't know much about this until this year, but Merritt Health has a burn center. So the J- JMS uh, Burn and Reconstruction Center that does everything for uh, burn survivors, a lot of uh, kids um, that are affected by it, where they pay for all the treatment, the transportation, the hotel for the families. And uh, our players are going to be wearing these uh, really cool jerseys and they'll be auctioned off during the game to to benefit the JMS Center. And, uh, of course, trivia, cornhole, and uh, cheap beer throughout the evening. So it's going to be a great Thursday night here.
3: That is a good Thursday night, and that is that is so cool that y'all are recognizing the uh, JMS Burnin' Reconstruction um, Center with game-worn jerseys. That's awesome. Pete Lavin, uh, general manager of the Mississippi Braves. They've got a big week ahead of them are y'all still doing the the dog at the park on wednesdays yeah tonight uh Tuesday.
1: tuesdays uh we got that going tonight uh dogs are free you uh, humans can get in for as low as five dollars
0: uh,
1: <laughs> but uh um uh, yeah back in town i mean we haven't been home for 14 days it's been crazy so uh you know uh still in first place in the second half so uh you know making another uh playoff charge and you got to see we uh uh recently brought up uh a kid Vaughn Grissom, our new shortstop he uh Marquis Grisom's son really? and he's been phenomenal he looks you know he he looks like Jeter at short and he's hitting like 397 right now it's uh uh you got to come check him out and some other guys recently brought up from Rome uh, uh Justin Henry Malloy as well so a good uh, did, uh infusion of new talent here if you haven't seen and we haven't been home in a while so come out and check out the first place M Braves.
3: Tuesday through Sunday tonight through Sunday Mississippi Braves M Braves Atlanta Braves double a affiliate are in town uh Pete I got about 20 30 seconds have you been able to watch the uh Derek Jeter documentary any of it
1: yeah it's been really cool it's, uh, it's been uh, fun to watch love Some, it uh, I like how they double them up where you have like episode three and four back to back so it's been it's been cool. The one thing, like in retrospect, God, I wish like Arod had gone to Boston. If yes. they would have had those Boston Yankees rivalries and they even in retrospect say they wish it would happen to as well. But uh that would have been nuts.
3: Yeah, you forget that the A Rod thing was, was uh you know, no bueno for M L B and then boom he ends up with right. the with the Yankees. Pete Lavin, we enjoyed it. Have a great week. Thank you, buddy. All right, bud. Talk to you. Mississippi Braves, M Braves are in town. And uh, follow them on Facebook, Mississippi Braves. And follow them on Instagram, too. And see what all is going on. And they're having a big, big week and weekend out at the ballpark in Pearl. M Braves, Mississippi Braves, the out-of-bounds show. Brought to you by the M Braves. Oh, I got to tell you about going to Dale Murphy's bar, too right outside of the battery. Coming up next.
2: Press the button, my friend. The Outbound Show is live ah! from the Whiskey 61 Lounge in the Bank Plus Studio. Check, check, check it
3: out. At some point during this interview, we'll do uh show me the money. Powered by the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook, and award-winning Dancing Rabbit Golf, DancingRabbitGolf.com. I do want you to remember this URL: prrsports.com. Uh, download the PRR Sports app. You can bet anywhere on property. You can be getting a drink at the bar. You can be at Philip M's. You can be playing blackjack, and you can bet on. Auburn and A&M or the saints in Tampa Bay or whatever it is that you want to get into. We want to welcome in our friend, uh, Dave Bartu on the yingling logger guest line. He is the, uh, matrix man. Mr. Analytics has changed college football for the better and, uh, continues to do that. we mix in some sports betting, actually a good bit of it this fall. And I'm very, very excited about that. Um, Bartu, before we get into football, I want to talk, uh, Radio's been a big part of my life. I know it's been a big part of your life too, especially with our age. And uh, thank God, Sports Talk Radio's never been more powerful. Some of the other formats are not, but whatever. Uh, ben Scully, the legend himself, Ben Scully, I know you're a California, Oregon guy, uh, with the Los Angeles Dodgers from 1950. To 2016, passed away yesterday. He all he was also a national broadcaster, NFL, uh, national baseball stuff, and so on. Uh, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the legend and what a remarkable career Ben Scully had in your backyard.
4: Dude, before Blake called me, just I mean, just a minute ago, I was I was just thinking about it, um, and. You know, my thoughts on it, I, I'm a, I'm a kid of the seventies, right? I'm, 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 50, I'm over 50. I'm a man. Um, and, but growing up in the seventies in ultra rural California. Um, and, and I was thinking about Ben and, and I think I've came to come to realize that, you know, when you're young, there's things that you look back on that are, that you never forget. And most of them seem to be smells and sounds. See, when I grew up in Southern California, my my grandfather always had cherry tomatoes. Always, in the backyard. Every time I'd walk through the, the patio, there'd always be cherry tomatoes there, and I'd pull off leaves. I'd smell them. I've grown cherry tomatoes every year the rest of my life, and all I ever think about is my grandfather. And I'd grow marigolds, because my mom did. And I could smell them. Time and late at night when I was seven, eight, nine, ten thousand miles away from Dodger Stadium, I'd turn on my little transistor radio because on the second floor I could pick up Dodger games, but only at night. And that was the only guy I listened to. I was 15 miles away from high school, there wasn't a town bigger than 10,000 within six hours of where I lived. Wow. So the voice, the voice of sport for me is Vin Scully. My grandfather smells like cherry tomatoes. My mom smells like marigolds. Sports sounds like Vin Scully.
3: Yeah. Just uh I-, I knew it was gonna be like that for you because here When I was growing up, it was obviously we're in a rural area and it was the same, you could get the St. Louis Cardinals at night and, um, whether it was Jack Buck or so on, you know, over the years and the the power of radio, the young people can't really look at it the way we do, but the power of radio and, uh, people calling games, especially baseball play by play was, uh, so, so powerful. And Vin Scully was with the Dodgers. This is incredible. From 1950 to 2016, not counting all the other stuff he did, which uh, right, which was dude just was remarkable. 95. I mean, he <laughs> lived it. You know, I mean, I mean,
4: seriously, cheers to him. But I mean, yeah, he started calling Dodger games.
3: What back when yours and my parents were born? No doubt. <laughs> well, think about this. He 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 called. Jackie Robinson, Mm -hmm. Sandy Koufax, Fernando Valenzuela, Kirk Gibson, all the way to the Dodgers within the last few years. That's that's unbelievable. Bar two, I wanted to talk about uh, the Oklahoma Sooners a little bit today, and then we'll get back into the SEC, but they'll be in the SEC, some people believe, even next year. You know, they go from Lincoln Riley to Brent Venables. And Joe Castiglione is considered a really good AD, but I would have to believe that you could think of several names right off the top of your head. Jeff Brom, among others, that, um, that you would have gone in another direction than a guy with no head coaching experience, considering what Oklahoma is and how much they've won the last 20 years bar two.
4: Right, right. I mean, that's that's one of the things that uh, you, you had me just actually you had me a little distracted there with Yingling beer, because uh, all I could <laughs> all I could think of was the uh, the time uh, I went back there for a wedding, and the the Catholic Church that the wedding was happening uh, at uh, one of their walls actually borders Yingling Brewery, and so Are you well, the, Yeah, so we got there early, and the Yingling people opened up their tasting room for the wedding. People there was there early. Dude, I was crushed before that wedding even started. <laughs> Just on my lips. If, if we'd had to kneel during that wedding, I wouldn't have been able to get up. There's no way. That's so good. God, my wife was freaking pissed at me. Oh, my God. She,
3: how long ago was this, roughly? Oh. 20? 15, 20 years, 15, ago? 20 years okay. ago. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she had, I think,
4: I, I think she was, she was probably holding our son. He was maybe three. And, and, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania in the summer. So, you know, it's, it's 100 degrees with 120% humidity. And we're down in this Yingling cellar just getting plowed. One, one black and tan after another. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, the good times. Good times. Uh, but, but speaking of drinking, you know, um, you know, bringing in a uh, a new head coach with no head coaching experience, right? I mean, it's a risk. It's a risk, uh, and, and that is, um, that's something that, you know, when you're an AD, uh, a lot of what you what you hire is familiarity, you know. And Venables was from, you know, he's been to Oklahoma, he's recruited to Oklahoma, um, won a national title with Bob Stoops at at Oklahoma. Well, you know, a little nostalgia there. Um, And I think part of it, though, too, that that I actually liked about it is, well, I think there's two things. Number one, if you're going to hire a guy with no head coaching experience, at least hire a guy that has proven to run an offense or a defense. Kind of hard to argue against Venables not being the top defensive coordinator of what, at least the last decade? Yeah. I mean, dude's got three rings with – with, without even a top-five recruiter. Mm. You know, Oklahoma won a top-five recruiter. Clemson won even a top ten the Deshaun Watson year, barely top ten the next one, and he was the D.C. for all of them. So you're hiring the best defensive coordinator mind of the last ten years. Spitball, let's say, okay? Um, you're also hiring a guy that has been to national title games, uh, what, four times now? Five? Right. Uh, So so he knows what it takes on the offense and defensive line to build national championship power because that's where Oklahoma is lacking. That's where I'm going with this is is Oklahoma in the Big 12 um, is small. The Big 12 is the smallest of the Power Five conferences, height and weight, and it's also the least injured because of that. And so now you're transitioning from the fastest, smallest conference to the biggest, fastest conference. And so, in my opinion, you needed somebody that had the experience of recruiting at an SEC level. That is Venables. That fits to me. Now, how much time they have to transition, and it's a big transition. I mean, your average average offensive line recruit in the Big 12 over the last 10 years per guy is about 14 pounds less than your average SEC guy.
3: How about that, Blake?
4: Per guy. OK, it is it is phenomenally smaller because it's a different brand of football uh, and it's a different level of player. And so with Oklahoma and Texas, I feel the most important thing they can do is not win football games. OK, they're, they're going to be able to recruit either way. OK, they're both top 10 recruiters the last 20 years. They're both going to get the recruits. It doesn't matter who's there. All right. But what you have to do is you have to be able to recruit to an SEC talent level. So, if I'm Oklahoma, I actually would delay trying to get to the SEC as long as I can. I know the money's there, but it's going to take time to reinvent the entire roster. Texas is actually doing it quicker. They started a year, they got a year jump on Oklahoma to try to reinvent their roster. So, with Venables, um, were there a lot of other guys out there they maybe could have reached out to? Sure. Sure, but this was – he was comfort food. This was easy. This was bringing somebody back people wanted. That's part of the game. You and I both know that. Sure it is. Uh, but the most but the most important thing he can do is not worry about trying to get to the bloody playoffs because they're not going to with Ted Roof and, and Jeff Levy anyways um, and focus on getting this team ready to play in the SEC because the toughest reality for Sooner fan is going from 10, 11, 12 wins year in and year out because you – play one top 25 team a year to playing a half a dozen of them and physically not being ready for it.
3: All right. Dave bar two on the yingling Lager guest line. Show me the money powered by the golden moon casino Sportsbook. Um, their win total is at nine and a half. Uh, but like you said, they, they don't play anybody that out recruits them except Texas, which is just about a push. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that looks. Um, when, when you're looking at South Carolina and, you know, I, I think they're in for – they pull a tough schedule, Bartu. Uh, uh-huh. Shane Beamer, you know, is there. They got Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. Um, they play Georgia State to open up. But how about this, two, At Arkansas, Georgia at home. Then they play Charlotte. Then South Carolina State. Then at Kentucky. A and M at home, Missouri at home, at Vandy, at Florida, Tennessee at home, at Clemson. I, I see five and seven, six and six possibly.
4: Yeah, I was it was it, it was funny. I was just looking at the tweet, somebody was like, uh, I, I don't know what it was, was it ESPN or some somewhere said that uh, had, had South Carolina ranked fifty third and this fan was like oh, what? that's kind of dis- that's disrespectful you know they're they're a top 25 team and and part of me wants to go well they they are a top 25 recruiter so you know in, in theory from a talent perspective uh, they are you know a, a top 25 team uh, but then you also have to look at who they play right because really the top 25 is just top 25 win totals that's all it is, right? You, you take the teams with the most wins. So everybody with 12 is, is your top whatever, three, two. And, and then you divide, you know, and, and the way you separate those is, is how tough the league is, right? So a 12-0 SEC team is going to be number one. A 12-0 Big Ten team is going to be number two and so forth. Uh, and so it's a win total. So when I look at South Carolina, I see a, uh, a regressing top 25 recruiter. Because recruiting has gone down to i mean they pulled their two worst classes the last two years uh, now i know people will go well what about the transfer portal man you start betting on the transfer portal i think it's dangerous because in the nfl the teams with the most transfers do the worst so you care for what you wish for living in that transfer portal i still think high school recruiting is going to be king and always will be king for development and, and winning football games and, and so South Carolina, I have them ranked – I have their strength of schedule at 23rd in the country, okay? Mm. Um, that, is, that is number eight in the SEC. <laughs> Isn't that funny <laughs> as heck? <laughs> that is the eighth toughest schedule in the SEC, and they're 23rd in the country. Um, that's just the level of competition. Uh, and that's using a 30% weight on coaching and only 70% on talent. But the big thing is South Carolina. When you look at the South Carolina talent versus the average team they're going to play, their ease of schedule. How easy that schedule is compared to their talent and coaching is 61st in the country. Oh. So that that tells me this, that tells me right there 61, that tells me this is a 7 and 5 team at best, 6 and 6. Five and seven is what you, you should be expecting. That's what that number is telling. Without I, without even looking at the schedule. You didn't have to read it to me. I can go ease of schedule, 61st. This is probably going to be a five to seven win team.
3: All right. So when you're betting at the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook, keep that in mind on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Don't get too crazy on the eye candy of Spencer Rattler transferring from Oklahoma to, uh, to South Carolina. That's a tough to be in the East, which is so much easier than the West, they, they're, pulling a, they're pulling a tough schedule. Uh, Dave Bartu on the Yingling Lager guest line. You, you mentioned living in the transfer portal, and you're really high on Lane Kipton post-2015. He grew up. He figured some things out. He did an amazing job helping Saban transition to a more modern offense. Went to Florida Atlantic. Did well in, in your whole matrix coach effect at Ole Miss, doing really well. But Lane is a, is at about seventeen or eighteen transfer portal guys for this year, mm-hmm. and he's even said he doesn't know, you know, if this is going to work year in year out. Um, I, I would have to believe that you would think that that is living too much in the transfer portal. Yes.
4: Yeah, I don't. I I, I don't like that um, for anybody. It doesn't have to have to be Lane. Um, but you know, something Lane has the last five years, actually, I've learned a lot from Lane. I've learned a lot from Lane about getting too far ahead of my skis because I remember when Lane and Leach were hired and I was all over Leach so much more than Lane. Um, but what Lane has done in the last five years that I really didn't take into account, I didn't take into account the progression of being a head coach. You know, I was waiting too much in the past, not enough weight on, on FAU, um he's he turned around his hiring process his staff building is it's not even measurable how much better it is today than it was six years ago Uh, and he did walk into a really good quarterback situation you know so now we now we have a quarterback change uh we have a quarterback coach change too because he lost jeff so that's going to be interesting there Uh, but he's done a phenomenal job the last five years and has taught me a lot in terms of how i look at things but I, I'm right now today. I'm going with don't overuse the transfer portal. Now it may it may hit once in a while, right? It still may be really good this year, and people listen and go, well, look, we got 18 guys in the transfer portal. We went nine and three, top 25. Bartu's an idiot. I get that, okay? <laughs> uh, but I get it every day. I'm married for 27 years, so that's just water <laughs> off a duck's back. And. The, the thing with, with the transfer portal, though, I think in mass, in whole, long term, I think long term it's a bad strategy because, like I said, as I'm trying to take a page of what I have found in the NFL working with those franchises in that the more you use free agency long term, the worse your franchise is. Your best franchises don't use a lot of guys. They don't use a lot of starters to get through ten years. now, maybe it's a little bit different in college football, right? Because you're still cycling through guys every four or five years it's It's different than the NFL. I get that. But when I see the NFL chewing through free agents and those teams being crappy all the time, you know every once in a while you catch lightning in a bottle and you get that guy that is transitional and and elevates the the franchise or elevates you know even in college football your Jameis winston you know i mean jimbo caught lightning in a bottle with him uh gene chiswick with cam newton dude you couldn't create recreate that 2010 national championship run by cam newton if you tried in your wildest dreams it doesn't even seem possible so there's little bits and pieces that can change but i think overall focusing too much on the transfer portal especially for the elite teams, you know, I I could see picking up a guy here or there, but I I think it's living dangerously depending on your pecking order in college football.
3: All right, let's wrap it up with this. Show me the money powered by the golden moon casino Sportsbook. Day Dave Bartu on the yingling logger guest line. You dropped this nugget real quick, late in our last interview, Southern miss win total. Blake looked that up for me because Bartu said over. Um, I don't know which one bar, what number bar two is on. I think that's what you Who said. Who
4: cares? I'm pretty sure the Southern Miss total is so low that you, it, we're jumping it. Absolutely jumping it. Let's see here. Let me pull up my numbers on Southern Miss. Okay, without even looking at the schedule. Okay, we're not looking at the schedule. We are solely going on strength of schedule, ease of schedule. Okay. Um, and, and I'm going to weight this, this is 60% because we're in, we're in the Sun Belt now. So it's more coaching heavy. And look, I, I'm not high on the Southern Miss coaching staff. The numbers aren't great. But the schedule is, their strength of schedule is 119th in the country. Wow. 119th. Okay. Their ease of schedule, so so the, the Southern Miss talent acquired talent coaching talent and player talent acquired minus their strength of schedule of 119 that gives them an ease of schedule remember how i just said south carolina 61 Mm -hmm. in a in a 5-6 win team southern miss is a 76 Mm -hmm. again this is this is this is this is a 5-6-7 win team and i believe the total is probably three or four wow Okay. I don't I don't know what I don't, I don't know what it's at uh at the Golden Moon right now. Golden Moon that's, doesn't that's have a it. Lo- okay, okay. That's a local bet. And, and it may pop up. Um but I was pretty sure if the Southern Miss total was at four and we're projecting six. Okay. So three and nine, you know, three and nine if you want to head your over on Southern Miss, then then <laughs> <laughs> than than bet on somebody getting somebody on the staff getting fired at three and nine to hedge your bet because three and nine is way down there, right? I mean for for the t- the level of talent they have on the staff and the level of players versus the schedule, uh, this is a strong over lean for Southern Miss.
3: I like how about that Southern Miss to the top fans, that could be some money for you going over on this. Uh, yeah, because they pull Troy and and. Dave has that, uh, staff is the worst in the country. Um, yep. Northwestern state, uh, Arkansas state, Texas state,
4: Arkansas state. There is another horrid offensive defensive coordinator duo. Absolutely <laughs> trash tra- is a dude, butch just went, okay, I'm going to take my two buddies who can't coach and give them a half million apiece. You know, it's it's amazing because the rest of the staff is really good, but the play callers are really bad. You know, what we uh, should do.
3: State. I. It's funny you talk about Arkansas State and some others. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Auburn as uh, is, is, you know, not good. Uh, OCDC pairing and duos. Yeah. we we should do we should do a buddy hire podcast <laughs> with uh, a case of Yingling Lager, and you just get to say whatever you want on buddy hires oh. and I think that would be just I think it'd get torched um <sighs> god that'd be why I I the, the problem
4: is, is I don't I don't know if they're all the buddies right I don't I don't know <laughs> did he did he hire his buddy who sucks or did he just hire a coach that sucks? <laughs> what if it wasn't his buddy? He's like, man, I say, I think this combo of Bo Bounds and Blake Scott would make great play callers. I hate these guys, but but I think they're great on film. Like, man, you need some new glasses, you know? So I, I I don't know who's. I just always assume that when you make a bad hire, and it's a bad assumption, I shouldn't say it at all. When you make a bad hire, that you are, you know, you're hiring your, your buddy, you know, when, when Jeff Scott at South Florida goes higher, Travis Trickett, Do I think that Travis is his buddy? Well, it, it would seem that way because he's not a very good play caller, you know? So, um, that, that may not be the case. We could certainly do a podcast of the worst play calling combinations in college football. Yes. That would be a piece of cake.
3: That's what we're going to do next. All right, Bar <laughs> uh, appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk soon. Take it easy, brother. Show me the money. Powered by the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook. Don't forget about PRRSports.com. We want you to download the Pearl River Resort sports app. PRRSports.com or PRRSports app. And that way you can bet anywhere on uh, property. Whether you're at the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook, Silver Star, Phillip M's in your hotel room prrsports.com dot com, and uh, we'll raise a toast. We'll we'll raise a Yingling Lager to uh, Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook, and uh, a Philip M. Steak and some Russell's Reserve Bourbon.
0: Have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow.